You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Well, now that my anxiety level is through the roof, welcome into Crunch Time. Here on the game, it's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. If you're wondering why my anxiety level is through the roof, it's because my lovely co-host and producer, I leave, I walk out of the studio two times b- before the show begins, and he likes to play a little game of hide-and-seek and jump out and scare me. And... That's that's great, James. Hello. It's not spooky season, but why are you getting why are you getting so scared so easy? Uh huh, uh huh. Hide behind a door, and yeah, when when I go to close it, I'm not going to expect to see a human behind it. God. So, anyways, for, for forgive me if I'm breathing a little too heavy. I kind of need to get my heart rate down a little bit. On today's edition of Crunch Time. We are going to recap what was just a ridiculous night of football uh, as the New Orleans Saints blow yet another lead. Shocker. They did it again. It's crazy how, how that happens, huh? How does that song go? Oops, I did it again. I played with your heart. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> you did. What, what, what is it that I always say? Why do you hate me when I show you nothing but love? Why? It's it's un, it's unbelievable. It really is. I mean, I just four minutes left in the game. It's sixteen to three, and you you lose. You lose. Like, how do you explain that? <laughs> Come back, kid. Strikes again. I hate that guy so much. I hate him so much. But no, but like seriously, I don't care who you're playing. And I don't care how you've played all game. You could play like absolute crap. If you are up 16 to 3 with 340 on the clock, you should not lose the ball game. I remember seeing a statistic. I can't remember if it was Tom. I don't think it was Tom. I think it was the Buccaneers. It had said that I forget who it was, but they were 0 37 when they were down 13 plus points yep. in the fourth quarter. And then I remember seeing another statistic where it was the Bucks they hadn't uh, overcome a 10 plus point deficit yep. in the last 15, 16 years. This or something. this this was the second largest comeback of Brady's career. Second largest comeback in Brady's career. The so, only one, the only one bigger was the Super Bowl, because it was zero and thirty-seven when down thirteen plus in the fourth. No, I'm sorry, it was the biggest fourth quarter comeback of Brady's career. Second biggest fourth quarter comeback of Brady's career. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, but okay, so you know, you look at it, sixteen to three with four minutes left. I know Tampa had the ball at that point. Even if they score. Say say it goes exactly like it did. Paulson Adebo makes a stupid pass interference penalty. They score a touchdown. Okay, guess what? You're still winning. To be fair, 
If he didn't pass interference, Mike would have probably caught that. It, oh, it would have been a touchdown. No, no question about it. I, I get why he did it, but because it still forced the Bucks to run another correct. six, seven seconds, or like five seconds off the clock. Please tell me how the offense only following that first touchdown that made it sixteen to ten. You know how long the offense had the ball? Do, do you remember the the number? Because I do. It haunts me. 31 seconds. How? I don't care if you get nowhere. Run the ball three times. You could have gone three and out and punted. I don't care. But you know what running the ball three consecutive times would have done? They would have either used all of their timeouts or you would have run two minutes off the clock. Either way, it's a win. Run the clock out. Yeah, but Tampa never had to use their last time out anyway. Because you threw the ball. If you run three straight plays, you force them to call all three of their timeouts. But what I'm saying is they didn't even use it in their drive, so it, it wouldn't have even mattered because they didn't even need to use it. I think I think it would have. I think I think it would have mattered because I think if they had no timeouts, I think their play calling would have been a little different. And I think that would have changed. Now, am I saying that the Saints would have magically won if that happened? No. And maybe it would have slightly changed some things, but I don't think it ultimately would have changed the final outcome of the game. Because and you, whether you had that timeout in your pocket or not, it's not like that extra, just knowing that extra that timeout. How, how do you not get a first down there? How do you not get a first down there? Why? Whose idea was it on third and... I think it was third and six in in that in that drive. I think it was third and six for the Saints' last drive. Correct. It was third and seventeen because Andy Dalton got oh yeah he got sacked on second down. You're right. I, I just I don't understand the decision making. I don't understand the play calling. Who whose idea was it to look over at Marquez Callaway and say, "Hey, bud." You haven't played yet today, but go get in there. We're going to throw you the ball. Oh, you're going back to after Mark. Correct. After the Mark play. Correct. Okay. I'm talking about throughout four quarters. Yeah, Decision-making through four quarters. Whose lovely idea was that? Because I would love to just have a, a one-on-one cordial conversation with whoever's idea that was. Because that's idiotic. And that's not a knock on Marquez Callaway. I like Marquez Callaway as a receiver. I really do. The guy hadn't played all game. I don't, Why? I don't necessarily disagree with it because you have you saw all game. And you can even look at the, the final box score. Tampa was stuffing the run like it was all game long and like how they've been doing the last few matchups. They were they were stuffing the they were stuffing the run every time. So there was no guarantee you would have got the yard. You feel like with a short slant route, if it would have been with like Olave or somebody else and you felt like, okay, well, this is more of a secure catch because you hadn't seen Marquez all game, I, I would have felt better about it. But ha- running a running a quick one-yard slant on the, on the short hash of the field, it's not like you would be going on the far hash where it would be a longer throw. It was short hash. Quick slant route. You f- you felt like that, that that was a good good safe secure play. 
And then that wasn't a that wasn't a run play that might have been stuffed. And then here we go again with sucking in the red zone. They they know they've gotten better about getting to the red zone. You they don't, suck in they, the red zone. They don't know how to finish. You suck in the red zone. With a capital S U C K. You suck in the red zone. And and that's what we were talking about. I don't understand why Marquez was the one who got the ball. I didn't understand why he was the X receiver there. And why not go to someone else? Great, great point. That's that's what I was that's what I was referring to. Great, great point. Because I, I could see why you would you you almost could try and almost just say why not and maybe run Taysom twice up the middle. Thank you. You're telling me running him back to back plays up the middle, he's going to get stuffed both times. I have a very hard time believing that. I think it would have been close. I don't think he he definitely would have broke anything, and I don't think it would have no, been a no. five yard run. I think I think he gets a first down. I, I I do like the chances, but in the back of my mind, I do worry because it felt like every time Kamara had nowhere to go. Yeah, Mark, but, Mark Ingram, but it's Taysom had, Hill had nowhere to go. Even when Taysom ran the ball, he had nowhere to go. There was there was a couple plays where he got some big yardage, and but. And that's the thing is lately when you see Taysom go in, unless they do a completely different call, and they usually just go with the same QB power where one of the one of the linemen just pull, and it just becomes a power to the right. I mean, if you run that, it's Todd Bowles and the Buccaneers defense are really smart. They probably would anticipate it if they see Taysom Hill at, yeah, but- line up at quarterback. You see that you're like, odds are. They're probably running a QB power to the right. Yeah, but so you, let's line up and stuff that. But you've seen time and time again, even when teams line up for it, he still gets yardage. But what have you seen the last couple of games whenever they line him up at quarterback? It's not like he's broken anything huge. I mean, but I don't need him to break anything huge. I need three yards, four yards. I just need something. I don't know. I think on a big money down and you run something that the team is anticipating and your line hasn't been creating any holes for Taysom or any of your running backs to run through, I think it's really difficult to get that first down. The play calling has been horrible. It's been horrible. And I've come on this show and said it for weeks now, and I'm going to say it again. It is time for a coaching change. Whether it is Dennis Allen, Pete Carmichael, all of the above, there needs to be changes on this coaching staff. And quickly. Because there is a obvious disconnect between the players and the game plan. I mean, Mark Ingram... Mark Ingram doesn't run out of bounds a yard short of the sticks. He's an 11-year vet. I I don't know what happened there. I don't know how you even explain that. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, when you've got a guy like Taysom Hill, you use him. Taysom Hill only ran the ball three times last night. That's crap. That is absolute crap. Taysom Hill needs to run the ball at a minimum 
five times a game. At a minimum. Every defense in the league has trouble stopping him. You ran him three times yesterday. 3.3 yards of carry. Had a longest six. You got to find ways to get him more involved. Two catches for 35 yards. Oh, magical. Guess what happened? A touchdown. Hello. Rashid Shaheed, our one catch wonder. Guess what happened? Leading receiver. You got to find ways that this this team always amazes me at their inability to use their playmakers. Alvin Kamara is not Derrick Henry. Stop trying to use him like it. Get him out in the flat, get him in open space, and let him work. Running him between the tackles 12 times a game ain't going to do it. It's just not. Kamara's not that type of runner. We said all offseason, you got to go get a running back. Why? Because Kamara's not that kind of runner and Mark Ingram's 32 years old. That's that's why we've been hounding that you needed to go get a running back. But you put all your eggs into an undrafted free agent that is now playing in the XFL. So, you know, a, a person that's not getting a whole lot of blame for all of this but probably should start being incorporated into that conversation is Mickey Loomis. Mickey has made some horrible decisions. Horrible decisions. You don't have a running back outside of Alvin Kamara, and you're using him improperly. Your offensive line is still trash. Your defense has been... I mean, it's crazy to to say this. The defense has kind of been a bright spot for you lately. The defense played well again last night. Outside of the final three and a half minutes, the defense played well. They held Tom Brady to three points. Frustrated the ever-living crap out of him. Something's got to give with this team because... I know we talk about, you know, the game isn't played on paper, and I agree with that. You're absolutely right. However, this roster, even with the injuries, this roster should not be 4-9. Shouldn't be. Plain and simple. Because if you go back and you look at their nine losses... I would venture to say that you were out of four of them. Four of them. Every other loss. Tampa Bay, I'll say you were out of that one. Carolina, you were out of. You got a garbage time touchdown to make it 22-14. to 14. The Cardinals, you played from behind most of the game. So, and then the Ravens. That's it. I'm not going to say that you were out of the Steelers because 
It was only 10 to 3. You were playing pretty well. Your offense wasn't doing a whole lot, but your defense was keeping you in the game. You tied the game and then you let them come right back. The Niners? Yeah, you got shut out, but you beat yourself. You held one of the best offenses in the league to only 13 points and you couldn't do jack with it. So I'm not going to say you're out of that one. This team, so let's say of those other five games, say you win one over half. Say you win three. You're seven and six. You know what seven and six would be right now? Leading the division. Going to the playoffs. Seven and six. Think about that. If this team would have just finished three of the five games that they were in, you're leading the division. Not only are you leading the division, you're the five seed. Tied for fifth in the NFC. Now granted, that, that's the bottom half of who makes the playoffs, but it's better than 14th. 14th in the division. The only two teams in the NFC worse than you are the Rams and the Bears. The Rams and the Bears. That's pretty bad. The Commanders are a better team than you. The Detroit Lions are a better team than you. The Arizona Cardinals and Carolina Panthers are a better team than you. Something has got to give. It's beyond time. I don't care what you have to do. If I was Mickey Loomis, honest honest to God, if I was Mickey Loomis, Dennis Allen wouldn't have gotten on the plane last night. He would not have gotten on the plane last night. I would have said, bud, we're done. This isn't working. And I'd have handed him 100 bucks and told him to go find an Uber. Because I, I, I'm done. I'm done. Pete Carmichael, too. You need somebody to keep you company? Pete can stay with you. Because I don't want either one of them coming back. I, I just... I don't know. I, I'm I'm so angry. The thought of no longer cheering for the Saints crossed my mind last night. For the first time in my 25 years of living, the thought of me not being a Saints supporter crossed my mind. Get a load of this guy. I'm 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 so done. I just. It'd be one thing if you constantly got outplayed and you constantly just weren't a good team. This is a talented team. You beat yourself more times than you get outplayed. That's what's so infuriating. The Bengals game, you beat yourself. The Niners, you beat yourself. Last night, you beat yourself. There you go. That's your seven and six right there. Like, it's just so many little things. It's the dropped passes. It's the horrible play calls. It's the just lack of awareness that it seems like this team has that they haven't had before. 
And then, you know, we, we go back to the offseason and the players were joking about how, oh, you know, practices are, are much more relaxed now now that Sean Payton's not here. Well, look at where that got you. <laughs> that was smart, wasn't it? We're having loads of fun, ain't we? But, you know, you know, th- th- this, is, this is so like the, the Saints. I, I could see the Saints winning the last four games and, and you know, having hope that, you know, maybe we could squeeze out a playoff spot. Maybe they could move on. Oh, my God. Um, anyways, the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with tickets to a special sneak peek of the new Whitney Houston biopic, I Want to Dance with Somebody. That's right. See it before anyone else by simply texting Whitney to 68683. That's Whitney to 68683 to score a pair of tickets for a special sneak peek December 20th at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard. It's the I Want to Dance with Somebody sneak preview brought to you by A. Bryan's Jewelers and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Mitchell joins us at 5. Al Salas joins us at 5.30. And we'll take your calls on the hotline, 706-0111. We'll be back with more Crunch Time right after this here on The Game. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 27 after the hour. Back here on Crunch Time, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. All right, I feel a little bit better now. I feel I feel a little bit better. Uh, got a got a DM during the break that that I think is is interesting. I was asked if to to discuss Baker not going to the 49ers and if it was due to Christian McCaffrey now being a member of the Niners. Guess we won't know. Well, well, we we won't um, because the Rams, since they suck so bad, they were they were third on the waiver wire order while the 49ers were twenty seventh. So, so I mean, twenty six teams would have had to pass on Baker for the Niners to end up with him. Twenty three or tw- twenty four? No, it would be twenty three. No, it'd be twenty six. One through twenty six would have had to pass on him before. Yeah, but the I'm Niners... talking about I'm talking about after the Rams. Because the Rams were the first legitimate per- team that was like, mm, really could use another quarterback. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying in general, 26 teams would have had to say no yeah. for the Niners to to end up with him. Um, but I, I do believe that both Christian McCaffrey and Baker Mayfield probably don't want to play with one another anymore. Um, so that, that could have been a uh, a possibility. So, looking at some breaking news, Kayshawn Booty announced yesterday that he will return to LSU for his senior season. Meanwhile, his wide receiver counterpart, Jack Besh, has announced that he is entering the transfer portal with three years of eligibility remaining, or two years of eligibility remaining. Um, Besh was, was underutilized this year due to injury. And so he is he is deciding to move on elsewhere. Six hundred and sixty seven players entered the portal yesterday, which is a record uh sixty two quarterbacks. One that might be entering the transfer portal that can make things interesting 
is North Carolina freshman Drake May. Uh, anybody that needs a quarterback, the kid threw for 3,800 yards and 35 touchdowns this past season. So uh, that might be a pretty good option to look at. Just, you know, throwing that out there. Uh, but anyways, going back to the, the pain that, that was the New Orleans Saints last night. Dennis Allen met with the media following the shocking loss. Yeah, you you, you got to love when Tom Brady throws game-winning touchdowns with three seconds left. Um, it's his favorite pastime. It, it, it really is. Um, Dennis Allen said that the team couldn't finish. It makes it tough because I felt like we 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 had an opportunity really to win this game, um, and we didn't we didn't finish. We didn't get it done. You did have an opportunity to finish this game, Dennis. You were up thirteen in the fourth quarter. Oh man, maybe we shouldn't play these. Uh, anyway, Dennis Allen continued and said that this team has to find ways to be more consistent. Yeah, look, I, um, we'll go back and look at this tape. We'll, we'll, we'll figure some things out. I mean, we had some opportunities that we didn't, we didn't make for whatever, whatever the reasons were, you know, um, but we, yet we made some big plays too. So uh, we just got to be more consistent. I, you know, you, you, uh, I talked about this last week after after you lost to the Niners the way you did. There's weeks where the defense shows up, and there's weeks where the offense shows up, but it's never both. It's never both. You want to have consistency? How about both sides of the ball show up? Maybe. You're right. I don't think they ever thought of that. James, don't push the wrong buttons. <laughs> don't push the wrong buttons. Mr. Green, how are you, sir? I'm good, Mr. Miguez. I'm, I, I'm, you know, I'll start off with this. I was wrong yesterday about my, my Bucks losing. And I've never been more happy to be wrong in my life, but uh, that's all I'm going to say. Because I'm not here to rub anything in. No, you, you would you would absolutely deserve to rub it in. No, man, look. Here's the thing. Pewter is still ugly as sin. And let's be completely honest. The Saints dominated for 15 sixteenths of that game. Like, other than those last few minutes, the Saints dominated. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, there's no earthly reason other than the fact that your record says who you are and Dennis Allen's record says that he is not cut out to be a head coach. That, that, that's it. And so, you know, I, I feel bad for the Saints. I feel great for the Bucks. I feel bad for the Saints, man. Like, it is a dumpster fire. I don't understand, I, and, I don't and it, understand and it why they into, do what they do. And it turned into a dumpster fire overnight. Well, it's been kind of a dumpster fire all season. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you look at, you look at last season – and you know, obviously, you you set record, uh, you set a record for the number of new starters that you had last year, but you were still in it till the very last day. That's now, true. That's now, true. You, you you get a new head coach, and everything goes one eighty. Yeah. Well, being a teacher, I I always believe in second chances, but I don't believe Dennis Allen deserves a third. For y'all's sake, he needs to be gone. And that entire coaching staff needs to be gone because that is just an absolute atrocity. 
I, I certainly don't disagree with you, Jamie. All right, guys. Well, y'all have a great day, and we'll talk at you guys later. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you've got to make changes. You have to. I mean, something has got to give with the way things are being operated. Whether you want to make a change at the top and, and move on from Mickey Loomis, or you want to make a change at head coach or offensive coordinator or, you know, the the water boy. I don't care. You got to make changes. And Dennis Allen standing in front of the media today saying he doesn't see any dramatic changes coming. Three, One of three things is, is, is what that tells me. You're either blind to it, you don't care to look at it, or you're just plain stupid. It's one of the three. If you're blind to it, I, I, I feel for you a little bit. Because... That's just ridiculous to be blind to it. If you don't care enough to see it, well, then shame on you. You you, you don't care to fix your own problems. And then lastly, if you're just plain stupid, then, I mean, then, you know, that that just is what it is. But something's got to give, James. Something's got to give. I mean... I understand teams in the NFL have up and down years and that this is just a, a period of, of down years and, and that's, you know, that's okay. But, man, you, you got to make some kind of adjustment during the season. And, and playing Andy Dalton as much as you have or, you know, really... Not, and it's not just Andy Dalton. It's it, it's a lot of things on both sides of the ball. But Andy Dalton's just one that sticks out. How are you not playing James Winston? How are you paying a man $30 million to sit on a bench? You signed him to a two-year, $28 million deal. So over the course of the deal, you were paying him $30 million to sit on a bench. Go to the hotline. David, what's up? Yes, uh, good afternoon. So you you you, you kind of took away from the question I you mentioned you brought up the question I was about to ask. Why is Jameis Winston sitting on the bench? Uh, what was the explanation better yet? Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not mad at Jameis Winston for collecting. You said he signed a twenty eight million dollar contract, which means fourteen know, million a year. Fourteen a year, I'm, you know that's that's guaranteed. That that, four, that first fourteen, well, this fourteen is guaranteed. So I'm not mad at him. But what was the coach the coach's reasoning for him not playing? What is the coach's reasoning for him not playing? He's never really provided one. He kind of he kind of said that he thinks the offense kind of runs more smoothly with Andy under quarterback. And so, what is the record of the team with Andy as quarterback this season? Three and six. And it runs more smoothly, huh? You're okay. <laughs> That's oh, all I can say is okay on that one. <laughs> we're, we're we're with you. We're with you. All right. Have a good one. Appreciate the call, man. 
The game wants to stuff your stocking with a $500 Visa gift card. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes presented by Armentar Jewelers. Simply enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $500 Visa gift card. It's that easy. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes powered by Armentar Jewelers and the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. I'm sorry, it's 3 and 7. 3 and 7. Yeah. Oh, even better. We love when the correction makes it worse. We love that. Yay. But hey, I'm, I'm going to tell you this right now. I, I, looked, I looked at my wife and told her this last night. I'm going to have a great weekend this weekend. You want to know why? Because we don't have to deal with the New Orleans Saints. Let's take a time out. We'll talk. Louisiana Raging Cajuns going to the Independence Bowl next here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. Your home. For the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Bowl season getting underway here in a couple of weeks. We talked yesterday about some of the matchups. Louisiana Raging Cajuns will be traveling to the Independence Bowl to take on the University of Houston on Friday, December 23rd, 2 o'clock kickoff. Michael Desermo met with the media on Sunday prior to their annual football team banquet, and he provided his thoughts on making it to the Independence Bowl. Um, you know, yeah, we're, we're really excited um, to get the opportunity to play in the Independence Bowl. Um, you know, for our kids, you know, this is the fifth year in a row getting to go to a bowl game. Um, certainly the Independence Bowl has got a long history, um, a lot of really good football games. And, uh, you know, I have memories from whenever I was a kid watching the Independence Bowl. And, uh, you know, I think for us getting to play, you know, we talked about how bad we wanted to earn that extra game, how bad we wanted that the bowl game, the 13th game. Uh, and for us getting to do it in-state, against a really good opponent like Houston, it just it just makes it even better. So um, I'm excited for our players, you know, excited for this staff and for this team to get one more opportunity to go do it. And, uh, you know, getting to do it in, in Louisiana, in Shreveport, just makes it even better. The Cajuns who were picked to win the Sun Belt and Houston who was picked to win the American in this bowl game, it may end up being the best 6-6 six and six versus 7-5 and five matchup during bowl season. I hope so. I guess we'll find out. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I have a ton of respect for, for Houston and for that program and what they've done. And uh, for us, I think it's a it's a matchup we can get excited about for sure. You know, I mean, our players, you know, we'd have been we'd have been happy to play anywhere, anybody. I mean, honestly. Um, but, you know, the reality of it is when you play a team like Houston that, you know, certainly them moving up to the Big 12, um, all those things that go into it. But then, you know, I mean, just the brand Houston and the name and recognition and for a lot of our kids, Louisiana, East Texas kids. I mean, they're all familiar with Houston. So for us, it's just it's a it's a great situation for us to get to go and go play a really good team. The Cajuns, once again, you know, six and six, they they secured bowl eligibility on the final Saturday of the season. Houston is is a passing offense. Clayton Tune, their quarterback, has thirty eight hundred yards and thirty seven touchdowns. On the season, uh, just a great offense that the Dana Holgerson has going over there in Houston. Thirty-eight hundred yards. He is seventh in the country 
in passing yards, and he has he's tied for first in in passing touchdowns. Um, so Cajuns defense going to get tested a little bit, but you know when if you ask Michael Desermo, this team just wants to end the season as champs. Well, that means everything to us. That was what we you know the beginning of the year we said our goal was to to be champions you know and uh certainly you know a bowl championship is something to be proud of and so for us you know we had to shift gears and shift focus into that um but for us that was the focus you know about you know a couple weeks after the midway point you know we knew we were out of contention for a western division title it's like well next thing we can do is go win a bowl game so we had to focus on that and work really hard towards that goal and our kids have done a phenomenal job so for us it means everything you know, get to finish the year on a high note. Um, certainly, getting in is a is a boost. Uh, but you know, anytime you have a chance to win your last game of the year, that, that's that's definitely some momentum moving forward. And lastly, Zion Hill Green, who is literally a half sack away from holding the all time sack record for the University of Louisiana, said that he would love to have the opportunity to break that record in a bowl game. Uh, you know, uh, once I saw who was playing, I was wanted to think that popped up in my head, you know. Uh, but like Coach Dad said, he's going to give me the best opportunity at getting the sack, you know. And when the opportunity comes, I just have to cash it in. You know, I have to make it work. So uh, I'm ready to play, you know. I'm ready to be – we're in Louisiana, so we're going to have the crowd here with us, you know. So that's something I'm looking forward to. If you are looking for great stocking stuffers for the holiday season, look no further than the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you will have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. But you can only score these great stocking stuffers by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse. It's very easy, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free, and like I said, it's simple. So go sign up today. We'll take a timeout, wrap up hour number one right after this here on The Game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Oh, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You can listen to all your favorite Christmas classics or local Cajun Christmas songs on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. That's nonstop Christmas music 24-7 on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. You can listen live at lachristmaschannel.com or download the free mobile app on both Android and Apple devices and listen on your Amazon Alexa. So listen to some holiday cheer with the Louisiana Christmas Channel. Welcome back. 4.50 right now on the clock. We're wrapping up hour number one. Looking at the poll question of the day. What was your reaction to Jack Besh hitting the transfer portal? Were you shocked? Were you kind of feeling indifferent about it? It's like, meh, it's, it's whatever. Or were you completely expecting it? Or were you feeling some type of other emotion? Right now, shocked is at 14%. Indifferent and completely expected both take up a third of the voting, while the other 19% go towards other. Looking at some of the comments, John Paul says, can't say I expected, but at the same time, I'm also not shocked. Maybe he needs to go play where his skills will be appreciated, like the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. Come on home, Jack-Jack. And then for Ton, Ton said, look, 
we suck. He's talking about the Saints. We own Tampa Bay, and they snatched it from the jaws. They snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Looking at Facebook, Kyle Bertrand said, completely expected, especially after Booty announced his return. Blaine said he understands. Blake Quibido says other. He feels, he feels like he's disappointed. And then Cody Broussard said, great kid. Wide receiver room is pretty jam-packed right now with others coming in. Feels like he would fit with another program, not so much with an RPO style. He's got NFL aspirations, so, and he probably feels like he'd be best used as a slot receiver. As much as he hates to see him leave, it's probably a smart move, which I kind of agree with. I had talked with uh, Matthew Marine just to confirm, but Jare Jenkins, he does have another year of eligibility because he did he did have he was redshirted right and he i think they use up the red shirt but he's still got a covid season left so he could return if he wants to but bruni does think that he will declare for the nfl draft so i mean next season you're looking at Kayshawn, kyron lacy brian thomas jr and then whoever else you know, whoever, whoever whoever steps up to the plate yeah whether whether you get him in the transfer portal or Correct. You you just which, get commits. Which interesting development there happening just momentarily. Uh, wider Alabama wide receiver JoJo Earl has entered the transfer portal. Uh, he at one time was an LSU commit, and he currently has twenty seven offers, including LSU. So interesting to uh, he was ranked as the number six wide receiver in the twenty twenty one class. His 27 scholarship offers currently in the transfer portal. So, whenever you first initially saw it, I know Clint had called it like 30 minutes before. I was shocked. I was um, strictly because you know I hadn't heard. I've seen some people talk about you know there were, there were some rumblings that that he could enter. I never saw any of that. So, yeah, I mean, it caught me off guard when, when I saw Jack Besh announce he was entering the transfer portal. Um, do I agree with it? Yeah, I, I do. I think it's the best move for him. Uh, LSU, you know, was underutilizing him when he was healthy. Um, and I know he's battled injuries on and off all season long this year, but, uh, again, even when he was healthy, he wasn't seeing the field as much as he should have. Uh, so go somewhere where, you know, the wide receiver room maybe isn't so stacked. Go where you know you're going to be one of the top two or three guys, and go make an impact. Because look, everybody's trying to get to the NFL, but nowadays the way NFL scouts operate, you don't have to be at a big time program to make it to the NFL. You can be anywhere; they're going to find you. If you've got the skills and you've got the stats and all of that, scouts are going to find you. So you know. If Jack Besh is thinking G5, then go G5. Go ball out at the G5 level. Go, you know, go to a Big Ten school or, you know, maybe maybe find a Big 12 school that, that, that fits or, or something like that. Obviously, you know, he, he probably wants to stay pretty close to home. Uh, but good news for him is there are plenty of fantastic programs within, you know, an eight-hour radius. So... He can find somewhere. I, I don't. I don't doubt that at all. Yeah, and I, I felt the same way. I. I didn't. I wasn't completely shocked that this happened, 
I just saw I, I was just kind of like, oh, he actually did go for it because when you look at it, whether Jeray comes back or not, it is it's it it does feel like still a heavy room, and even then, Jack is best used in the slot. Like I, I agree with with what Cody was saying, he's better as an inside receiver. But then the fact that Kayshawn's coming back, Kayshawn eats up a lot of inside slot receiver. So the yep. the fact that and then also it just didn't feel right. Like is and I get it. Like as much as you want to stay at LSU, this this was your school that you really loved watching as a kid and you grew up loving that program and that school. It like if it just doesn't feel right. And it just didn't feel right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you you were you were getting some play early on the season as a receiver. It, it didn't feel like it worked out too much because Jaden just didn't find you all that often. He he felt he looks towards Jeray and Brian and Malik a lot more. And then you also look at just just the fact that you even win as a punt returner. Yeah. And it didn't work out there. So it's like that that kind of felt like your last big shot of like making it a big impact on the team and because it didn't work out there and you're struggling to get on the field whether it's because of position or not. And then even when you get on the field, it's not like you get targeted very often because the quarterback doesn't really look your way all that much. It just it feels kind of frustrating. It's like, look, I love this, but I love that he is like kind of doing what he feels like he needs to do to like put his name out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. We wish Jack Besh nothing but the best. Um and, you know, this doesn't rule out that he doesn't return to the Tigers. He's just exploring other possibilities. So, hour number one in the books. Kicking off hour number two with Matt Mitchell of Ostrich Media. You might know him from It's a Southern Thing or his weekly SEC roll call videos. We'll chat it up with him next here on The Game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home. For the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros, more after the top of the hour sports update. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of Crunch Time here on a Tuesday. You're listening to the game at 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 502 on your Tuesday afternoon. In hour number one, we had a vent session about that horrible Saints game last night. We heard from head coach Dennis Allen, and we even talked about the Louisiana Raging Cajuns appearing in the Independence Bowl for the first time in its history. Now in hour number two, we're going to get some in-depth analysis on the New Orleans Saints and, and where they kind of go from here uh, now that you're 4-9 and nine and only have a 1% chance of making the playoffs. Uh, but right now, we're going to chat with Mr. Matt Mitchell. Uh, you might know him from TikTok and, and Instagram. Uh, he is a content creator and a self-proclaimed biscuit expert uh matt mitchell of ostrich media formerly of it's a southern thing joining us matt thanks so much for taking the time man how are you today how about it gentlemen i'm feeling pretty good feeling pretty good so you know question number one is just 
you know, I always any anytime we talk to somebody that, that kind of does like the content creation, you know, comedy skit thing, I, I just like to ask, you know, what made you get into that? What what made you want want to do that for a living? Oh yeah, wow. Um, well, I've been doing some stuff online for a long time, but not necessarily video. But then uh, I got a, a full time job when they launched it to Southern Thing, kind of uh, managing their social media and writing, just doing a lot of stuff behind the camera. Uh, and then eventually kind of made my way in front of it after I felt comfortable doing it, I guess. And then I kind of fell in love with it, just trying to uh, start doing a whole lot more of it. Uh, and then uh, a couple of years ago, kind of got serious about doing it on my own, and then finally kind of cut the cord and went solo uh, a few months ago. Um, so this is the second season of doing SEC Roll Call, but this will be the first one where I am able to spend a lot more time on it and not have to juggle other things as well. So, so talk about your your time, like you said, with it's a southern thing, where and, and the growth that you experienced to be able to you know start your own company. Yeah, so we uh, it's a southern thing is like a spinoff of uh, AL dot com, which is like the big media organization in Alabama. It's what owns the Birmingham News, the Huntsville Times, the Mobile Register, um, and they kind of like you know pull those into one organization under one umbrella. They launched it to Southern Thing as kind of like this lighthearted spinoff, trying to get a wider Southern audience, but it was all lighthearted comedy stuff. Uh, they built it from the ground up. We didn't have anybody. Uh, when I joined the team in 2017, there was like maybe five or six of us. Uh, and we built that up to about, right before I left, we had about uh, somewhere between four to five million followers across all social media. Um, but uh, like I said, I've been doing some stuff of my own, um, building that up, and I kind of wanted ownership of what I was making. Um, you know, kind of when you're starting off like that, you don't really think about, maybe, uh, you should have a piece of this maybe. Um, you just kind of make it and give it to them. Uh, and then after a while, I was like, this is something I need to, if I get serious about it, want to do this as a career, I need to have some ownership over it. So uh, that's where I'm at now. So starting, starting your own company, Ostrich Media, what's the, what's the story behind the name? Uh, very long, uh, weird story, but uh, in the short version here, my, my, my big break, I guess, on the Internet was when I was parroting a local newspaper here in uh, Walker County, Alabama, called the Daily Mountain Eagle. And this was, uh, you know, this was before there was a, a lot of people trying to, like, do what The Onion was doing. But I was trying to do that 10 years ago with, like, the local newspaper. And they weren't too happy about it. So I, um, and I was using their just normal logo, so I replaced the eagle with, on their logo with the least majestic bird I could think of, which would be an ostrich. Um, and it kind of stuck. And so after I was no longer directly parroting the newspaper, I just still kind of kept the moniker and the ostrich nickname stuck. So I just kind of ran with that. So when I had to name a company uh, to make this thing official and, you know, pay Uncle Sam my taxes, I needed to file an LLC. And I thought, let's just go. Let's just solidify this thing. It'll be ostrich media from here on out. That's fantastic. So, you know, we, we, we talked about the SEC roll call every week. You would you would post a, a video, kind of recapping the week that was, and man, I just I got to tell you the 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 Shane Beamer impressions have just been absolutely top notch. It's been my favorite, and I uh, you know I I root for chaos just about every week now, um, and and they have given it to us um, uh, in spades this season, and it's great when you're able to like get a team that fully embraces that character. I, I I hated losing Coach O. I think LSU fans were happy to see him go, but he that was a great character when I had him there and I could do the voice with LSU. Um, then I'm trying to find I mean, LSU. I think is still trying to find its identity under Brian Kelly, but I think South Carolina is firmly like they're they're all in on Beamer Ball right now. 
So that makes for a fun character. Um, so I love to see it when they pull the upset. It may get annoying next year. You know, we'll see what happens. But this year it was a fun ride with him. And then, you know, walk walk me through the, the Vanderbot. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I needed to do something for them. Um, and well, that's fair. I, I really bit off more than I could chew there because I thought it'd be fun if I could do some kind of, like, robot. And I don't I'm not a, a special effects wizard. Um, you can tell that in the editing. It's as crappy as it gets. Um, so I had this idea, I wrote it out, and then when it came time to execute it, I was like, what have I done? Um, so I basically just um, took my daughter's iPad uh, and then uploaded a picture of the mascot, and then I spent way too long trying to just put my mouth over it. Uh, it was a mess, but it worked. People seemed to like it. Uh, and uh, and then Vandy won again. I was like, crap, I have to do. I have to figure out how to do this thing again. Um, then the streak was over. Vandy returned to being Vandy, and I didn't have to do the Vandabot anymore. And then, you know, outside of the SEC roll calls, probably my favorite SEC content that you've done this year was comparing SEC teams to Little Debbie Snacks. Yeah, I've been sitting on that for a long time. And I would tell people, like, jokingly, and they say they liked it. But I felt, to me, it was one of those things, like, nobody's going to find this funny but me because it is two of my favorite things, Little Debbie's and SEC football. I don't know anybody else to find it interesting. And that thing took off, like, wildfire, so – uh, that was that was really fun to do. I'll have to figure out uh, more comparisons. However, uh, co- Cosmic Brownies are are still good. Fifteen years later, I don't know, man. Just something about them when you get older. They just don't taste. I just much rather have a real brownie. You know, it uh, tastes like I'm eating a soft brick. Well, that that's fair. Chat with Matt Mitchell <laughs> of Ostrich Media and the SEC roll call. So, talk about the SEC title game. You know, th- it was a game that. It was it was best described to me as LSU's defense got clobbered by Georgia and LSU's offense responded way too late. Yeah, it was it was something. I got to go to the game uh, and uh, great home game for Georgia there. Oh my gosh, uh, LSU fans are outnumbered probably forty to one, and that's a conservative estimate. Uh, it was it was a, it was full on Georgia home game. Uh, and it really felt like early in the game, those two plays, that kickoff, I mean, that, that block kick, it was just the crap. I mean, we were all just trying to figure out what just happened. Because, um, you know, the, we thought the ball was dead. They pick it up running back, and that's the end of that. And then there was that crazy interception bouncing off the helmet. Yep. Uh, and it really felt like first half. They're in this thing if not for those two plays. And then you look at the stat line, and, oh, my gosh, LSU just lit up Georgia's secondary. Um, but it never really felt close. Again, after that, I feel like Georgia was fully in the driver's seat. But that's how Georgia's played most of this season. It seems like it, it's they're they're doing a lot of rope and dope. Like they'll you know they'll play on your level, but they're never really you know unless you're Mizzou, it doesn't really seem like you've got a chance at at, at winning this thing. Um, I'm afraid that might come back to bottom. I'm really worried about them in the playoffs. I'm afraid that Ohio State's going to get the best of them. Um, but I just worry about the Big Ten in general. I just don't like them. I don't want to see them win. So I'm worried that Georgia's going to choke. Oh God, I, I hope not because you know I, I'm not a huge fan of Georgia, but something about Ohio State winning a national championship feels just Mm-mm. disgusting to me. Yeah, no, me too. Me um, too. But look, you know, looking at LSU finishing nine and four heading into your bowl game in year one under Brian Kelly, it's got to be considered a success, right? Oh, hands down, it way exceeded expectations. I mean, really, when we saw the Florida State game, I thought. You know, this isn't this isn't shock. Well, it was a little shocking because Florida State played a little better than I thought, I thought they would this year. Um, but you know, it was going to be a rebuilding year. I didn't know what Coach O left in the cupboard for for uh, Brian Kelly to, to handle. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I think 
it definitely exceeds expectations. The, the few LSU fans that I saw at the game and were able to talk to uh, Saturday, you know, echoed that. They were just like they, you know, couldn't be happier with what Coach Kelly's done this season with them. Uh, and, I, and that's what I expected. He's a good coach. It's not easy to win at Notre Dame, and he did that regularly. And, uh, you know, they didn't have the performance that he wanted in the playoffs, and I think that, you know, he just said straight up, and that's a deciding factor, I think, for getting out of there. He wants to win. Um, and have that talent to take him to that next level. So uh, LSU's going to be he, – he's got he's got to have them in that playoff, uh, I don't know, next year, but maybe so. I mean, they're already better than we thought they would. So it won't be long before they're in the hunt for the national title. Wrapping up with Matt Mitchell here, you know, what content can people expect outside of football? And uh, go ahead and, and tell everybody where they can find it. Uh, yeah, so it kind of just shifts back into my normal stuff, which is a lot of uh, just random sketch comedy, a lot of it with the Southern flair. I did a series with It's a Southern Thing called Bless Your Rank, where we do the the ranking the best fast food biscuits, or there was a bourbon episode that was somewhat of a disaster. I'll be bringing that back under my own channel with a different name uh, early 2023. But you can find all of that, all the links to all the social websites at alostrich.com, and that'll, you'll find my YouTube, Facebook TikTok, all that good stuff there. And, and then lastly, you know, I, I saw a video the other day that you're a you're a big fan of the Christmas tree cakes. Should should they oh, stay? Man, who who is it? Yeah. Should should they should we start a petition to keep them year round? Uh you know they did that. They brought them out last uh, was a couple summers ago, and they didn't sell that well. I don't I don't know what the the deal was there. You, you know, if the people can't appreciate it, then just don't give it to them. Uh, yeah. So. Um, I freeze mine. I take a couple boxes every year. I stick them in that deep freeze. Uh, they hold up pretty well. You can just pull them out when you want. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe we appreciate it more when we only get it near the end of the year. Yeah, that, that... But if Little Debbie wants to give me a secret pipeline to get fresh ones all year, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> Matt Mitchell of Ostrich Media. Man, Little, little Debbie's and just southern fried chicken. Can't be better, right? That's it. That's the life. That's why we all live down here, right? Absolutely. Matt, appreciate you taking the time. Big fan of your work, man, and uh, we'll talk to you again. Thanks, mate. Y'all take care. And there he goes, Matt Mitchell of Ostrich Media. Uh, if, if you want to hear the, the if SEC teams were Little Debbie's joke, um, I, I touched on it a couple months ago when it first came out, but I, I'll recap just a, a couple of them. Uh, Florida was Cosmic Brownies, and it seemed a lot better 15 years ago. Uh, LSU is the Star Crunch, loved by some, hated by others, equally bad for everyone's health. Vanderbilt, the Raisin Cream Pie. I know I've met no more than three people who like these. Was it really months ago? It, it was beginning of the season. Wow. Yeah. Time flies. Yeah, the, se- the season was, was, uh, was a quick one. Um, it, it went by, so it was in October, so two months ago. Yeah. Okay. It was, it, it was a good bit ago. Um, and then my all-time favorite is, is Texas A&M. It's the Christmas tree cake. Lots of hype for something you won't see in January. There it is. There, it, I, I love a good Texas A&M jab. Or the Alabama one, the oatmeal cream pie, almost as soft as their schedule. Go! Oof! Your Alexa or Google Home speakers help you out around the house. They allow you to control your lights, your thermostats, and so much more. But did you know it could also play the game? Just ask Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. Do the smart thing and have the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, 
and everywhere you go. We'll take a timeout here on Crunch Time. And when we return, now that the Saints have played and Week 13 is officially over, James and I will recap it all and talk about the week that was in the NFL right here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Start NFL Week 14 off right with a no-sweat same-game parlay from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or if you already have an account. You'll get free bets back if your Thursday night same-game parlay doesn't hit. NFL same-game parlays is the perfect way to combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payday. A quick parlay that I made for Thursday night's matchup is Josh Jacobs' anytime touchdown, the under on total points scored, and then the Raiders' money line. Build your own or choose from one of our popular same-game parlays pre-built for you in FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. However you want to play, you can bet on the NFL on Thursday night with a no-sweat same-game parlay. Just sign up with promo code KLWB if you don't already have an account. But if you're already with FanDuel, you're all set. Just see, just sign in and see what you've got. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. Three plus legs, minimum $1 bet required. Refund issued is not withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after the receipt. Max free bet $5. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Back here on Crunch Time, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. 21 after the hour, 337-706-0111 is the number to call on the game hotline. And here in Acadiana, watch us on the simulcast at Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Recapping the week that was in the NFL, it started Thursday night, last Thursday night, with the Bills taking down the Patriots 24-10 to behind two touchdowns from Josh Allen and a 92-yard performance by Stephon Diggs. And then you go into Sunday. The Steelers beat the Falcons 19-16 in, in a game that was just as ugly as the Steelers' colors. I mean, that's bad. It's just bad. Both of those teams are bad. And Kenny, Kenny Pickett and the Hayward brothers figured it out. They, they, they found a way to get it done. Um, so, you know, chop uh, kudos to, to the Steelers. They're 5-7 they're and seven now. Uh, the Packers getting a win somehow in, in the fourth quarter. Over the Bears, twenty-eight to nineteen. The Bears are now three and ten. Uh, if you if you thought the Saints were bad, be a Bears fan. Just gonna throw that oh, out there. Oh, shot at Jim Gazzolo. Um, that's just messed up. Aaron Rodgers probably going to retire at the end of the year. Yes, no, maybe so. If he does, what was the point of the contract extension? Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> the Lions. Who, 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 who are the Detroit Lions? They played so well they didn't even need a punter on Sunday. They're, they're like that Katy Perry song. They're, they're just so hot and then so cold. They're so yes and they're so no. Oh, 
they're so in and then they're so I, I wish I had a mute button over here. <laughs> I would mute you so hard. That's terrible. You should have stopped it hot and cold. No, you don't continue the lyrics. Oh, my God. It was so funny, though. No. It was funny. Don't ever do that again. It was so funny. Don't ever do that again. You've lost talking they're, privileges. They're so hot and they're so cold. You've lost talking <laughs> privileges. I really haven't. They beat the Jags 40-14. to 14. And then Trevor Lawrence got injured in that game. Yeah, he did. Uh, so now the Jags 4-8 and eight and are uh, awaiting to hear news on, on their QB. Because they are optimistic that he's going to play against the Titans, but uh, optimistic doesn't mean 100%. So we'll see. It doesn't matter. I'm already eliminated. The Vikings beat the Jets. Oh, buddy, don't don't make this about you. <laughs> this is not about you. I mean, we're, you've been eliminated not... for like the last what three weeks? Exactly <laughs> at two and eleven. So yippee! And you lost to H Town. Sure did. I lost to a guy who still has Odell Beckham as as in his starting flex. lineup. So and then Albert O, who's been injured since like week week two, balling. You're killing um, it. What can I say? I, I I know I know. The Vikings go to ten and two on the year with a twenty-seven to twenty-two win over the Jets. Um, the Commanders and the Giants fall victim to the dumbest rule in the NFL that the game can end in a tie. That's that's uh, eliminate that from the rule book immediately. That's I, so dumb. I feel like just doing a rock paper scissors just to see who wins would be a would be better than just having a tie. The college overtime rules are the best, in my opinion. Both teams start at the 25. And after the third overtime, or starting with the third overtime, you have to go for two. And then you take it a step further with, with the new rules. They did it, they did it one, one better. After the third overtime, it's a two-point conversion. You literally just take turns doing two-point conversions until somebody has more points than the other team. Um, so... I think that would be more exciting, and you wouldn't have people in in ties, and you wouldn't have to deal with tiebreakers and and everything else, and so take ties away. I have a slight counter. Okay. Instead of starting it at the 25, start at the 50. Or start at the, start at the 40. Because if you're why starting the, at the, the 40. Because if you're starting at the 25, you, you could just kick a field goal right there. You don't even have to drive. You just kick a field goal right there if you just really wanted to. At least with you starting at at least the forty or the but why 50, would you? You why at least would have you, to drive a little bit. Why would you kick a field goal and then give the other team the opportunity at the twenty-five to score a touchdown and win the game? Well, I mean, you wouldn't to start off, no. But I'm saying if we're looking at it, like Jacob just texted us, it's a lot. You have better kickers in the NFL than you do in college. Okay, so start at the 35. You still just could kick a field goal right there. I'm, I'm not understanding the point. I don't understand why you have to start so close to the end zone. To speed it up. But why not just start the 50? Let's say, like, like even, even if you don't, because if you give up, because if the defense doesn't allow any points... Well, then you could just kick a field goal right then and there. Okay, so you had the right to win the game. Woohoo! Why not? Why not be why, done? Well, why not just drive a little bit 
earn the yardage and then just because you because you earned the right to kick a field goal by holding them out of the end zone. That's just weird to me. Both teams get a chance. You start at the twenty-five or the even th- even the thirty-five if you wanted to make it, you know, ten yards more difficult. And both teams get the opportunity to score. If you hold one of them out, kick a field goal, win the game. Woohoo! Everybody goes home happy. And if you're the losing team, you had the opportunity to get into the end zone and keep the game alive for yourself. And then, like I said, third overtime, just start. Basically, it's basically like a penalty shootout. Do two point conversions until somebody misses. But then your defense doesn't even get a chance to make the stop either because they're just they're just kicking a field goal at that point, just right away. You know what I mean? They don't get a chance to give the offense their offense one more chance. Your offense should have scored. I mean, if, if college football wanted to just kick field goals, I mean they could do it that way, but they don't because if you stop your opponent then you have the right to score points any way possible and win the game. I, I just, I don't, I don't really care how you do it. That, that's not the, the point of the conversation. The point of the conversation is to eliminate the tie because that's dumb. Other than soccer, what sport can end in a tie? None. And in soccer... Championship games and, you know, whatnot, those don't end in ties. You have to have a winner. But the the idea of if a team doesn't score in overtime, the game just ends in a tie, like, that that's, that's ridiculous to me. But anyways, wrapping up the rest of the week, the Browns getting a win over the Texans 27-14. to 14. The Seahawks beating the Rams 27-23. to 23. The Niners with Brock Purdy taking down the Dolphins 33 to 17. The Bengals outlasted the Chiefs 27 to 24 in what was a fantastic football game. And then the Cowboys obliterating the Colts, scoring 33 in the fourth quarter to win it 54 to 19. Once again, and then the Saints, obviously, like we've talked about at nauseum today, falling in the final play of the game, 17. To 16. The World Cup is back, and man, it's about to get incredible with the quarterfinals starting later this week. And you can watch all the thrilling action on Delta Media's Telemundo Lafayette, free over the air on KLWB Channel 50.3 and Cox Channel 19. And if you're in Lake Charles, World Cup fans can watch on Telemundo Lake Charles, free over the air on Channel 19.2 and Suddenlink Channel 137. That's thrilling World Cup action on Delta Media. Take a time out. Al Salas of Canal Street Chronicles joins us next to recap last night's game from Tampa Bay. You're listening to the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Had a rough day at work? Got lady problems? Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Time to put a bow on this ugly Saints game, make it look a little bit better, and uh, shove it in the back corner of the closet never to look at it again. Al Salas of Canal Street Chronicles joining us. Al, thanks for taking the time, man. How are you? 
<laughs> doing well, guys. Appreciate you guys having me on as always. So, uh, you know, we, we, we've talked about this game a lot today, and there's there's been a lot of yelling, and there's been a lot of you know just overall frustration. Looking at at the first half of, of this game, you know, you're sitting there leading ten to three at the break, getting the ball to start the third quarter. You know, you felt pretty good about yourself, and then you know, three of four drives in the second half resulted in field goals. And, and you gave the comeback kid the opportunity to do what he does best. Yeah, I think, you know, you mentioned earlier, I think the one word to describe this game is just frustrating. I mean, the Saints, um, <coughs> excuse me, had this game wrapped up. It seemed like, you know, going into half, they're up 10 nothing bucks, and the defense was doing its job, getting pressure on Tom Brady up the middle, keeping him off balance. And uh, ultimately, uh, the offense had the ball in the red zone quite a bit and just could not punch in, uh, you know, one of those field goal attempts. And then, he had the horrendous meltdown in the fourth quarter where with, you know, what, eight minutes and change to go, all of a sudden you're playing a soft shell bracket defense and you just let the Bucks practically score a touchdown with, uh, you know, four minutes to go in the game, and all of a sudden they're, it's a one-score game. <laughs> and you have the horrible sequence of play calling uh, and absolute just brutal mismanagement of the clock. Uh, and then, you know, you let Tom Brady do what he does. And, uh, you know, he came out, he came marked down the field, made the place to win the game. And uh, this was more of a Saints epic collapse more than Tom Brady coming down and winning oh, and scoring two touchdowns. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, one, one of my biggest frustrations with this team, especially lately, is is the lack of running game. I mean, I know, the, I know the offensive line has had to reshuffle because of injuries, but – you know, Alvin, I said it earlier. Alvin Kamara is not Derrick Henry. I, I don't right. under, I don't understand why why they keep using him that way. And then, you know, this offseason, why did you not try harder to find a veteran power runner? I mean, I, I love Mark Ingram, but the guy's been in the league eleven years. He's beat right. up. And so, right. you, you know, I, I just the the lack of running game has been infuriating because. I feel like if the running game is just a little bit better, you're you're a much better football team than where you're at now. Yeah, for sure. You're more balanced, and you know ultimately that allows you to get more creative. It makes Andy Dalton a lot more comfortable because I think the last thing he wants uh, to do is um, have Andy Dalton throw the ball 40 times a game. You know, especially when you think how conservative he is as a passer. It's just not something. It's not a good formula. Um, I'll say this: I was talking to. Uh, Brendan Ertle last night. He's the host of the Country Podcast, uh, and it, there, it's just, it's a point I agree with as well. During this game, it felt like Mark Ingram was the more effective runner. You know, when he was in there, he was grinding out four or five yards of carry. He was uh, excellent as a pass blocker, and this 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 just was not a game for Alvin Kamara to you know play well in. Especially when you consider it, it seemed like every time Kamara had the ball in his hands, it was a half dive up the middle for one, two yards. And, um, you know, this is the game I thought Ingram, you know, was more effective in. And I think that speaks volume when you consider one of your best players off not being effectively used uh, in a game that you most certainly needed to win in order to keep your playoff hopes alive. And, again, it goes back to coaching, to play calling, to management. And I think that's just something this year the Saints have struggled with. You know, Alvin Kamara in particular is not a guy who can take you know, 15, 13 carries up the middle because it's not his game. And 
you're, you've seen it. You saw it Monday night. You've seen it throughout the course of the year that, you know, uh, mismanagement on offense. It's just been a complete and utter failure. Now, you know, looking at, at the game and Andy Dalton didn't play poorly, 20 of 28, 229 yards and, and a touchdown. I, I my, my question is, you know, Taysom Hill just not getting involved the, the way he normally has other than the, the one touchdown catch. Where is the, the lack of, of a game plan to, to involve seven more? I think it's a great question. And, you know, to, to your point, Andy Dahl did not lose this game last night. <clears throat> I could probably think of 17 other things to point out before I point out Andy Dahl. You know, he had the one touchdown pass dropped by Jarvis Landry that resulted in a field goal attempt. So, um, you know, Dahl played well. But to your, to your point, I think, you know, the Saints, we've seen it before. When you have Taysom Hill in the game, it just adds another another you know element to this offense that a lot of teams don't have in the NFL. You don't have a versatile player who can not only catch the ball, but he can run the powers up the middle from the shotgun. He can sit back and throw the ball if he needs to. It's just it's another element, that the, a wrinkle that the Saints have. And it just seems like he's so um, hot and cold. You know, when the team decides to use him, he's effective. He keeps the defense together, and it works. But We've seen that this year the inconsistency on offense in particular, you know, with Taysom Hill. And, you know, you have Jameis Winston as a back. If he is your back quarterback, there's no reason you should be trying to stash or shelf Taysom Hill in case of uh, you know, an adult injury because you have a, you know, veteran back of a Jameis Winston. And, uh, again, it's just mismanagement on the offense. Um, of, when you're playing Taysom Hill and he's making plays for you, you're just a better offense in general. And um, they could use all the play that they need right now. Something to monitor is that Dennis Allen was not on the Saints coaches show in, in New Orleans today. Um, interesting there. But, you know, the, the, the question that I have is why is Dennis Allen still employed and how much longer will he have a job? <laughs> Oh, man. So here's what I think about Dennis Allen, right? I think, you know, before midnight, I thought Dennis Allen's job was safe for another season. I thought they would give him at least one full offseason, you know, after this year to uh, get it together. I kind of thought a guy like Pete Carmichael, who didn't even want the job to begin with as play caller, uh, could be um, on his way out the door if Dennis Allen were to stay. Um Obviously, that collapse in that situation, um, a primetime game that everyone nationally saw. Um, I don't want to say that that's going to that moves up the clock per se on Dennis Allen's time here as a head coach because I just truly don't know that. Um, but I, I, you know, if Dennis Allen is here next year, I would have to imagine that Pete Carmichael is gone and they bring somebody else in to um, have control of the offense, but. Um, Again, who knows? You know, Mickey Loomis and uh, Mrs. Metzen could just say, you know, enough with the Sean Payton-esque era. It's all—it's apparent that, you know, without Sean Payton, this system will not work because, I mean, big hint, we don't have Sean Payton to make this work. So they could move on. But realistically, I think Donald Allen has, you know, until next season approved, he can be a head coach in the NFL. 
chat with Al Salas of Canal Street Chronicles. Is it possible, Al, that Mickey Loomis isn't getting enough blame for this? It's a, that's a fair question as well, because uh, when you think about it, Mickey Loomis is, I believe, uh, he is the longest tenured GM in the NFL. Uh, he's been around since the 2000s. So, I mean, this is a guy who kind of has had, um, you know, he, he's him and Kai Harley kind of helped manage the cap, you know, all the years throughout the Saints uh, Super Bowl window. They try to keep open every year, uh, managing the cap, bringing in, you know, cheap quality free agents, and then kind of hitting on the draft every year is what they do. Uh, however, you're seeing with Dennis Allen now, when Sean Payton was here, Sean Payton had the final say in personnel, you know, and, um, you know, with Dennis Allen, you know, it's the same roster pretty much from a year ago. And we all said the big reason why Dennis Allen was to stay and be the head coach was because of continuity and, you know, keeping the culture and the uh, the continuity all there together. Well, Mickey Loomis is also part of that as well because Matt Payton works so well hand-in-hand. Hand. Now do you think it's time maybe to find your next Payton Loomis uh, and maybe um, that's something you explore? I don't know. But it's certainly a great question to bring up. You know, uh, I think Mickey does deserve some of the blame as to how we got here. Um but it's just going to be interesting this offseason to see how the Saints approach this because this could certainly certainly be one of those franchise-defining uh, off-seasons for this club. You know, one one thing that sticks out to me about this game as well, Al, is that you had four possessions in the red zone and three of them resulted in field goals? Right. And, uh, again, it reminds me of the Bengals game earlier this year when the yep. Saints had, I believe it was – three or four opportunities Correct. in the red zone and they kick field goals every single time. And ultimately Joe Burrow came back to, uh, you know, hit the hit Jamar Chase from that touchdown at the end of the game. And that, and those field goals costed you. I we, think we, we love uh, making Will Lutz look like a great kicker, huh? <laughs> right, right, right. So I think, you know, offensively you just have to figure out how to, this team is so creative when it comes to, uh, play designs, but you know, also third and shorts. You know, for the average NFL team, third and short cannot be a problem. For the Saints, it is a horrendous problem on third and shorts uh, throughout the entire season. And you know, with the inability to get push on the offensive line to not get the running backs, uh, it, 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 it's just a whole mess. And um, again, I. You have to look at the offense this offseason. You have to evaluate everything uh, that's on the table and kind of figure out what the direct, what the next step is because whatever it is right now is not working. And field goals will not win you games in the NFL. Not like not at that rate. Right. However, you know some some positives did happen in this game. Uh, the Saints defense was able to force two turnovers. You had Rashid Shahid finally getting involved in the offense. He was the leading receiver for the Saints. Uh, what else stood out to you about the game last night? Uh, it's a great question. It, it, yeah, there were some positives. For sure. I think, obviously, for me, the biggest thing was the emergence of Raheed Shahid as a, as a, not only as a returner, but also as an offensive weapon. He came in and made some nice catches. Um, and maybe prove that, you know, going into next year with Olave and Shahid, you, you do have a nice one-two punch as far as uh, a deep threat, and then a guy who can pretty much do anything else that's asked. You know, going over the middle, 
uh, make the most tough catches in Olave and you know Shahid who can um, go deep, be your home run type of guy. Um, kind of, you know, maybe what we envisioned Keontae Hardy would be with this team, but, um, you know, obviously that hasn't worked out. Uh, so Shahid certainly has been a bright spot for me. Um, and another spot I'll mention, you know, the defensive line. I know this defensive line has been taking a lot of heat in this season for the lack of pressure, uh, in particular the lack of interior pressure. Uh, Tampa Bay pretty much has down all three of their starters from a year ago at the uh, center and the two guards. Um and the interior uh, group, it got pressure on Tom Brady. They certainly made him uncomfortable. Uh, and this is by far, I think, the defensive line's best game of the season so far. So, you know, no win, but there's certainly were some positives. What's the expectation for the rest of the season? You know, heading into the bye week, you come out of it, you've got four games left. What's the what's the expectation to where there's not such a bitter taste in, in the mouth of not only the organization but the fan base as well? Uh, man, I think it's tough because, uh, you know, playoffs are essentially out of the picture. So uh, some things I would like to see from the Saints team, I would like to see Trevor Penning get some snaps at left tackle to make me feel a lot better about <laughs> trading away what would be a, probably a top five pick this year, knowing you have two offensive studs in a lot of Penning. Um, you know, I just want to see some fight. You know, I know this year hasn't gone the way a lot of us expected for the Saints. But, you know, just, you know, to see some fight from this team, don't roll over and, you know, get blown out pretty much every other game of the season. Show me something that show me something that makes you go next year, okay, maybe if we retool the roster, you know, at a couple of positions, maybe bring in a new coordinator, depending how they feel about the head coach, you know, see what you would do about that. But, um, you know, show me something that I can go next year, okay, with a – a pretty weak NFC South division right now, and kind of just overall a weak NFC conference. Maybe if the Saints upgraded a couple positions, then they're right back in the mix for you know making the playoffs. Al Salas of Canal Street Chronicles joining us. Al, quickly before you go, uh, does Jimmy G's broken foot give you a better opportunity of maybe signing him this offseason? I think so, certainly. It's a great question. You know, Garoppolo, I think today they reported that he could make a return in eight weeks, which would put him up right to the NFC Cup, NFC title game if it was making that far. But uh, nonetheless, if Garoppolo is out, uh, he certainly could be a guy that you look at maybe to sign. Another name I'll throw out there for the sake of it, uh, keep an eye on the, Detroit, on the Detroit Lions. You know, if the Rams continue to be bad, the Lions inherit that top three pick. They could easily take one of the young college quarterbacks and then maybe going to trade away Jared Goff. I think Goff played very well this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and given if the Saints find the right coordinator and you know, maybe revamp the offense, Goff could be a very nice team. But we'll see what happens. I, I like Jared Goff, so I, I wouldn't be mad at that. Al Salas, appreciate you taking the time, man, and uh, we'll talk to you again. Always appreciate it, guys. We'll take a time out. Wrap up today's show right after this here on The Game at Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans, Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Wrapping up here on Crunch Time 55 after the hour, MLB All-Star Cody Bellinger signing a one-year deal with the Chicago Cubs. 
Justin Verlander yesterday signed a two-year, $86 million deal with the New York Mets. Aaron Judge apparently is unhappy with the Yankees. Interesting. Something to keep an eye on over the coming days as winter meetings are underway. Uh, Aaron Judge could sign by the end of the week with somebody. Maybe it's the, maybe it's the Yankees. Maybe it's you know anybody else. Personally, I think he's going to the San Francisco Giants. But we will see what happens there. Josh Bell also agreeing to a two-year deal with the Cleveland Guardians. Meanwhile, the Cowboys had a visit with Odell Beckham yesterday, and they have, quote, concerns about his visit after a physical determined that he may not be available by January. They're, they're concerned that he might not be ready to come back to, to full football strength. So interesting there. And then, like Al said, Jimmy Garoppolo avoids the Liz Frank injury and will be able to return in seven or eight weeks, according to multiple reports. Want to take this opportunity to thank our guests for today, Matt Mitchell with Ostrich Media. Uh, check out his content on, on social media. It's great stuff. Uh, has me cracking up laughing almost every day. Um, so really appreciate him taking the time, as well as Al Salas recapping the Saints and Buccaneers from last night. Some great college basketball tonight, including Iowa, uh, Iowa, Iowa and Duke tipping off at Madison Square Garden later on tonight. Uh, Tiger Rag Radio is up next right here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well. Hug your mom and them. Same time tomorrow right here on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros.